Reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning in the first verse. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, do not, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and what we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who ascended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I read and was reading about a Super Bowl champion who the year after his team had won the Super Bowl were discussing as the new season was beginning and they were preparing for it with his fellow teammates. And they were talking about what it meant to be Super Bowl champions. And they were still, some of them saying, and many of them, waiting for it to feel like we're Super Bowl champions. They were waiting for it to feel like they, they thought it would feel. And the author, and, and I concur with them, thought that really what they were saying was, is this thing that they pursued their whole lives, this achievement that they'd gone after their whole lives, didn't satisfy them the way that they thought it would. It didn't do for them what they hoped it would. Are you ever surprised or disappointed by life? Almost a dumb question, right? But not just by the hard stuff, but even by the good stuff, you know, when even the good stuff doesn't satisfy you like you thought it would, 
As we get into this text and I begin this sermon today, it's full of, on this first part, full of questions. Not unlike the kind of questions that Nicodemus had for Jesus. Often like our lives are full of questions. Often we wrestle with questions, even just dealing with the mundane, normal, everyday things of life we sometimes feel overwhelmed by. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but it feels like you're out to sea. And when you look out the horizon, all you see is more ocean. You don't see the land. You're not quite sure which direction to swim towards. And, it, and once you figure that out, you're not quite sure you have enough strength to get there or the right boat to take you there. And it gets even more complicated than that because while you're floating out there, we often feel weighted down. Weighted down like, I like how Max Lucado puts it uh, in his book, When God Whispers Your Name. He says, it's like a, we carry around a burlap sack of stones. And those heavy stones that we take with us wherever we go represent stones of rejection. You know, when you, th you thought you should have gotten that A on that paper or you should have gotten that promotion and you were rejected and it sticks with you. Or even more deeply, when you're rejected by one who you thought or probably they should have loved you. We carry that around. We also carry around, look at writes, stones of regret. You know what that is too. As Paul writes in Romans 7, when we do the things we don't want to do, we keep doing them. And the things we, uh, the things we don't want to do, we keep doing. But the things we do want to do, we don't seem to do. And so we have guilt and regret and it fills that sack and it gets heavy and it weights us down and we take it with us wherever we go. We try, to, we try to cover it up. We go to work and we work hard at whatever's before us to try and forget about it. And hopefully that'll, that'll cover it up. But it doesn't. And oftentimes we take those stones and we throw them at the people that are closest to us. I like how Lucado points out, sometimes we even take them with us into therapy and we lay them out and we name them one by one. And we oftentimes in that place get a good word, an important word that we need to hear. But then when we're done, we politely pick them all back up again and put them in our bag and carry them with us once again. One pastor I saw wrote this week, he said, everything in life just feels so shaky. It so can be shooken. He was talking about marriage designed to be sacrificial and it sometimes becomes shook by selfishness. Even our closest relationships or our jobs get shook by the economy. So many things that we think should be solid ground, even mountains in this world get shook by earthquakes. 
Even the gift of life itself, the amazing gift, right down to the little microscopic cell with all that information poured into it with life, with its amazing mechanism that works so perfectly, only to get interrupted by a virus. Life gets shook, and sometimes we can't see solid ground on the horizon. Sometimes it feels like it's shaking. And sometimes we just wonder, where, where can I find solid ground? And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus Came in the night, but he came with questions. Deep questions that he recognized because of the miraculous works that Jesus was doing. He, he was given the evidence that Jesus must be of God. And so he didn't come blindly. He came seeing who Jesus is. And I know what you're thinking right now. Oh, I see where this sermon's going. Is it, really, is it really that easy just to bring it to Jesus? Look, it's not easy for us. Even sometimes to ask questions. It's not easy for us to humble ourselves. It's not easy for us to confront the things that we regret but Jesus has open arms for Nicodemus and he has open arms for us. And as we explore this text, you'll see just what I mean. Lakeda will go on to talk about those stones and talking about going to the airport to catch a flight and not hearing his flight called as he sat at the gate only to discover that he was at the wrong gate. You see, when we come to Jesus the right airport, sometimes you and I, because of wanting to hear what we want to hear, we sit at the wrong gate. Sometimes we come to Jesus thinking, okay, we need to find out what we need to do. What work am I supposed to do so that life will be good and God will love me? And that's not what God is preaching to us in his word. In fact, that's what Nicodemus thought Jesus would say. Like, oh, you're doing some good work here. Keep it up. Nicodemus came wanting to know from Jesus what he was to do. But Jesus wanted him to hear what he was to receive. What he was to receive. And that is the same word that Jesus has for you and I today. Let's not just go to the right airport. Let's come to the right gate and have ears to hear what God has in store for us. I like how Mark Matlock and uh, David Kinnaman put it in their book, Faith for Exiles. They wrote, We believe humanity's timeless questions are fully answered, not by our habits or our con uh, as consumers or by looking inside ourselves, but through faith in Christ, we find in Jesus the truest answer to who we are as children of God and what we're meant to be as representatives of God's glory. 
But maybe you're asking at this point the same question that Nicodemus asked. How can this be? How can this be? Well, Jesus tells Nicodemus, we need to be, he needs to be born again. We need the water and the spirit. He gives answers that were hard for Nicodemus to understand. Answers that are hard for us to understand. Martin Luther noted that we only understand them because of that blowing wind. Because of the Holy Spirit coming to us. We need the wind of the Spirit so that we can receive this gift. It's appropriate this weekend. I'm grateful that it's been windy as we talk about this. Because we can't see the wind or know where it comes from, as the scripture says. But as you'll uh, no doubt have noted this weekend, you can sure hear it. And you can sure feel it. And where do we hear this wind of the Spirit? We hear it in God's word, these words from Jesus. This word, this call to be born again is hard for us to understand, partly sometimes because maybe we've heard that phrase so much, we've forgotten what it really means. Well, let me begin by saying this. Think about what it means to be born. Who does the work? Let's face it, it's mostly the mom. The one who brings you into life does the work. So if you're going to be born again, it's not going to be because of what you do, but the one who gives you life, what he has done. But Nicodemus still has big questions. He still wants to know, how can this be? He wanted to know how. Tell me what I should be doing. And Jesus kept telling him what he, Jesus, has done. It's a whole perspective change. Nicodemus investigates this because he discovered Jesus to be worthy, powerful. We discover that too as we come to Jesus with his reality, the reality of his resurrection. As we heard last week from Pastor Bruce, we hear the truth again that who he is matters. And so Jesus is worthy to answer these questions. But he also has another revelation for us about God's character. You see, scholars agree that when we hear about God's character here, we discover something powerful, particularly in those words, for God so loved the world. Now maybe you know that the Greek word there for world is cosmos, pretty big. But it's bigger than you think. Because every time the Gospel of John uses that word for world, cosmos, he's using it in the pejorative, in the negative. Let me, let me show you what he's saying here. When, when we give boys and girls Bibles uh, in Sunday school, 
there's a part in the children's Bible that invites them in John 3.16 to insert their name there instead of world so that they know that God loves them. For God so loved Jerry that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, right? It's a good thing to do. It's a good practice. But a more accurate way that John is using this word world would be more like this. For God so loved the God-hating enemy of God, Jerry, that he gave his only begotten son. When he uses this word in the pejorative, he's talking about a world of unbelief, a world against God. That's who he loves. And so Jesus is framing for Nicodemus and for you and me that this unbelieving world, God wants to take from unbelief to belief, from death that's found in unbelief to the life that's found in believing in him. And Nicodemus is still, he's not getting this born anew thing. And so what does Jesus do? He gives an object lesson. He goes in verse 14, and in verse 14, he takes Nicodemus back to a story probably he'd heard as a child growing up and continued to hear in the Word of God in Numbers chapter 21. When God's people were enemies of God, when they had sinned against God, and were being, because of it, overtaken, overtaken and bitten by these serpents, and the venom of which was killing them. And looking at John chapter 3, Johnny Tata Erickson uh, makes this point. This great woman of God who lives with the joy of the Lord from a wheelchair says the greatest disability that any human can face is that of sin. And that's the disability that the Israelites faced in chapter 21 of Numbers. They were being killed because of it. The venom was killing them from these serpents. And so God, under God's instruction, Moses crafted a a metal serpent and put it on a rod and lifted it up. And told his people, when you look to that serpent lifted up, you'll be healed. Even though they'd been bitten as a consequence of their sin, they would receive new life. They would be healed. And now Jesus says to Nicodemus, and he says to you, it's no longer the serpent being lifted up, but now the Son of God himself, the Son of Man himself, I am being lifted up. And when you look upon me, Jesus says, when you look upon the Son of God lifted up, there the Spirit blows and you will receive new life. We look to Jesus in the midst of all these questions and this heavy stones that we carry We have a God who loves us even before we love him. 
while we're still enemies of God, while we're still in unbelief, for God so loved the world. And he invites you and me not to a list of dues, but first to receive, to receive this life. And Martin Luther will point out that it only makes sense, right? A carpenter can't build anything until he's been born. An accountant can't do your taxes until they've been given life. A parent can't parent their children until they're alive. Nor can we do works for God until we've been given life. And to be sure, once we've been given life, God does give us his good work and call on our life. A purpose, in fact. On the second week of Advent, I'll talk more about that purpose. For today, let's focus on what we're first called to receive. You see, when we receive this gift, we can finally lay down those stones of rejection because we have been fully loved and received by God. We can finally lay down those stones of regret through repentance because he comes to forgive. We can finally see the solid ground and know how we're going to get there because he's going to take us there. And when we face those big questions in life and wonder, how can these things be? How can these broken pieces in the world continue to exist if God loves us? We can see Jesus lifted up on the cross and we can know maybe I don't have the answer I want, like Nicodemus didn't get the answers he expected or wanted, but I can see Jesus lifted up and I know I know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus reveals the means for us to finally receive this gift of faith. May we, as the Spirit blows, hear its sound and receive this gift. Amen.